Amen. It is good to be back home from Florida, but not to the cold weather. <laughs> so, it is good, back, good to be back to see every one of you. Uh, welcome this morning, especially if you're one of our uh, first-time guests. Uh, we want to encourage you, if you're one of our first-time guests, to pick up one of the guest bags that are on the sides of the stage. They're at the doors as you leave also. Uh, be sure to get that. It's just our way of saying welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for those of you who are online there, uh, whether you're on Facebook or Twitter, YouTube, any one of those platforms. Be sure to heart, to like, to share the posts. Uh, subscribe there to YouTube. Uh, click the notification bell. That way you'll get the uh, live feed every time it goes live and then follow us on Facebook and you'll get that also and welcome to those who are listening on our phone live streaming uh, also if you need that number and want to share that number with anyone uh, you can see me after the service or you can call the church office we'll be glad to give that to you uh, those of you who are at home let me just encourage you to go to our church website at hollabaptistchurch.com it's under the info tab there you can download today's worship bulletin the children's worship bulletins if you need these in person either one of these uh, they're in uh, these are in the windowsills all around our ushers will be glad to come and give you one uh, or you can go back to the doors back there and get one uh, these are our children's worship bulletins that go along with today's message they're in the windowsill over here to my right uh, those are all under the info tab there at highlandbaptistchurch.com as well as uh, our prayer list and I encourage you to uh, download that if you're at home uh, pick up a paper copy of that if you're here those are on the table in the uh, magazine stand rack uh, on the table out across from uh, my office there so I uh, just want to be sure you get that uh, so you can be praying for those who are on the prayer list. But it's good to see everybody this morning. Looking forward to the services this morning. Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us. I want to go ahead and put a plug in for next Sunday night. If you have something you want to sing, let us know. We'll put you on the uh, list to 
and we'll have a good time next Sunday night. We have several people that's already going to sing some groups, and uh, so we're going to sing and play and have a good time praising the Lord. Take your hymnals this morning and turn to 446. Take time to be holy. Join the choir. Y'all stand too. <clears throat> Miss Pat. Miss Pat. Take time to be holy, speak off with thy as we come to our missionary moments, you'll notice that there in your bulletin, this is of Stella uh, McMillan, uh, and she is a missionary there in, in Southeast Asia, uh, in the Asia Pacific Rim peoples, uh, reaching out to those people and sharing the gospel with them. Uh, the Asian people, the Asian cultures, uh, for them, one of their biggest holidays is the Lunar New Year. And many of those individuals will go back home to their hometowns, to their families, uh, and she was able to journey to her friend's uh, hometown, uh, her friend was not only uh, the first believer in her family, but also the first believer in her whole town. And so it's opened up opportunities through those kinds of events that go on uh, with their Lunar New Year for Stella to be able to share uh, the gospel with others. And so we just want to uh, pray for Stella uh, and her friends and those that she is witnessing to there, praying for all of our missionaries uh, around the world. Uh, and let me just encourage you also as you see that uh, prayer request that's listed there, underneath is a little QR code that you can use your phone, open your camera, uh, put it over that, and it'll pop up with a website that you can click on that'll take you to some more information, even some videos on that, to share more information with you about the mission work going on there. But let's go to the Lord in prayer for Stella and all of our missionaries. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. What a blessing it is that we as a church every Sunday have that privilege and that opportunity to support those missionaries on the field through our tithes and our offerings. Lord, every Sunday we bring those those missionaries before you in prayer. And Lord, those are some uh, things that we can continue to do, even though we may not be our, necessarily ourselves able to go. But we thank you for calling people like Stella McMillan and many others who are serving around the world uh, and across North America. We ask your blessings upon them. We ask, Lord, for all of our missionaries to be protected. We pray, God, that you will bless them in the ministries that they are doing, open opportunities for them to share the gospel uh, even more with others. And we just pray, God, that uh, you will bless this friend in particular uh, that's mentioned in her story here. Uh, you know what her name uh, really is and who she really is. 
And so we ask God for your blessings to be upon her, that many more will be reached for Christ through her testimony and through her witness of the gospel message. Thank you, Lord, uh, for all that you're doing in and through our church. We pray that you'll take the services this morning and use it to bring glory and honor to you and to bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, again, uh, let me just remind you, we do we, we uh, have our offering plates down here at the front. If you're in, here in person, uh, you'll find your offering envelopes uh, in the pew in front of you. If there's not one in the pew in front of you, there's a rack at the back, as well as I think on the sides here that have it, but I know the rack at the back does. Uh, pick up one of those envelopes, put your offering in it, you can put it in the offering plate uh, as those come as you'll, you leave this morning. Uh, if you want to, you can also give your, your, do your online giving that way. So just go to the website, HighlandBaptistChurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab there, and you can do your online giving. So just want to remind you at home to do that. Uh, especially be sure to get one of the bulletins. There are a ton of things that are upcoming, uh, special events. You may have seen some of those things scrolling uh, on the screen. Some of that may have went too fast for you. Hopefully we can get some of that slowed down uh, next week for some of you. Uh, it was even fast for me. <laughs> and so, uh, But we, we have quite a few activities coming up. Those are listed uh, in the bulletin, so be sure to get you one. One of those and we'll have a few of those announcements that we'll have at the very end so brother mike come again well sometimes i throw a curveball and uh don't sing all the verses uh tommy this next time we're doing all four of this with it i'm sorry i threw a curve uh let's let's sing uh uh tell it to jesus 451 you can stay seated on this one we practiced this this morning and i think it had a whole lot of southern gospel in it so you may hear a little of that because that's just the way I am. But uh, 451, tell it to Jesus, ladies. for Children's Church and during this next song the uh, children will be gathering over here on the piano side and for the rest of us as we sing our, our song next song will be 134 stand and let's sing Jesus paid it all ladies <clears throat>
And that goes right along with our message this morning. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through verse 14. The message is entitled this morning, Lord, Have Mercy. And that's what every one of us needs is the mercy of God. There's nothing that any of us have done to, to earn God's favor, to deserve His love. Uh, we need His mercy because we are, uh, all, all of our righteousness, all of our uh, good deeds that we might do are as filthy rags before Him. So we need His mercy. Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through verse 14. We're just going to begin with verse 9. So if you would, let's stand and read God's Word in honor of His Word. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, as we come to look at this parable this morning, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will take the very Word of God and use it in our hearts and our lives to transform and change us. Lord, that if we're here as believers, Lord, I pray that it will, it will convict us if there's any error of this sin within our hearts and our lives uh, of how we are treating others or looking at others. Father, I pray that we will realize that even though we may know Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, but by the grace of God, there go I. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would show us from your word that we need your mercy and we need to count your mercy precious every day. Father, I pray that you will be with those who are hearing this word this morning who don't know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, who've never trusted in him by faith. Father, they would hear the gospel message, the message that you love us right where we are and, and you have sent your only begotten son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sin to offer us a free gift of grace out of your mercy, out of your loving kindness. And Father, I pray that you'll bless your word this morning, that it would not return void. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. And you can be seated. You know, about a third of the things that Jesus taught, he taught with parables. Now understand that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And as we look at parables throughout the Bible, as we study them, as we come across them in our, in our walk through the life of Jesus, uh, understand here uh, that, and keep in mind that a parable always has a central truth. Uh, it, it has what we might call a moral to the story, uh, if you will. Uh, in this passage, Jesus tells a story about two men here in similar situations who had a totally different result from each other. One man tried to talk himself into God's kingdom, but he didn't make it. The other tried to talk himself out of God's kingdom, and he did make it. Now Luke makes it very plain who Jesus told this parable to. Look there in verse 9 again. He told this parable to some people who were already having this issue. They were trusting in themselves. They were trusting in their righteousness. And they were treating others with contempt. And, you know, we all like stories because we always find somebody or something in a story that we can identify with. As we study the parables, keep in mind that they function usually in, in one of three ways. First of all, a parable is kind of like a picture because in it you always see a real-life situation like you would in a painting, in a picture. But it's also a mirror. When you look into a mirror, what do you see? You see your reflection. And, and that's what you're probably going to see sometimes when you look in a parable. Uh, you're going to see it as a mirror uh, because somewhere in that parable, you're probably going to see yourself. It's also a like a window uh, through which we can see God uh, because many times the parables are sharing with us either something about God or how God reacts towards us or treats us. But if you want to know whether or not a parable is speaking to you, and this parable in particular, let me ask you some questions here. Do you ever look at people who don't go to church and you think they're better, you think you're better than they are because you do go to church? If so, Jesus is talking to you in this passage. That may be an easy one for some of you, but think about this. Do you ever look at people who are in prison and think that you're better than them because you're not in prison? If so, Jesus is talking to you. You ever look at people who are divorced and think that you're better than they are because you've not been divorced? If so, Jesus is talking to you. We could come up with all kinds of scenarios, all kinds of situations that what we're going to see here is Jesus is speaking to us. Anytime you ever look down your nose at anyone for any reason and think that you might be better than them, if so, Jesus is talking to you in this passage. I promise you that every one of us, if you honestly will look at this passage with an open heart, that you will find that every one of us uh, find ourselves somewhere in this story. Because at one time or another, all of us have been guilty of trying to impress God. Uh, we're going to learn surprisingly here what impresses God and what doesn't impress God. So Jesus tells this story about these two men. One is called a Pharisee the other a publican, not a republican, but a publican. I messed up a sermon one time and did that. But we learn from this parable, it's not enough 
to just show up for church. It's not enough just to be in church. You have to be in church for the right reason. If you're a Christian, then the number one reason that you're supposed to be in church is to worship God. It's not about what everybody else is doing, not about what anybody else is wearing. It doesn't matter who everybody else is here or not here. It's about God. That's what you're here to do in your worship, is to worship God. And the number one reason you're to be in church, if you're not a Christian, is so that with your ear you might hear the Word of God, so that through your heart you might experience the work of God, and so that eventually in your soul you could enjoy the worship of God. So understand this, that the way you worship reveals a lot about what you think of God and what you think of yourself and what you think of others. Some of us are going to learn today that the way you worship is your biggest problem. Others are going to learn that you're the weakest link in your worship as we study this parable together. Here's the first thing I want you to see from this parable this morning. I want you to see the Pharisee who fooled himself. Now, now we have kind of a negative connotation in our thoughts about who a Pharisee is, but in those days, these were the religious people. These were the people who showed up for church. These were the church leaders. These were the ones who knew the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures. They had studied them backwards and forwards. Uh, they knew God's Word. And, and so we come to verse 10 down through verse 12, and let's see what this, how this Pharisee fools himself. So it begins in verse 10 and says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector or a publican. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, this publican. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. All too often we're so ready to jump all over the Pharisee because, to say the least, uh, he's a little bit arrogant. Uh, but let's give the, the devil his due, if you will, because quite frankly, he really was an Eagle Scout, uh, in a sense. He, he dotted every religious I. He crossed every uh, religious T, every theological T. Uh, he, he eventually he was, uh, went strictly by the book. Uh, he had a heart for religion. The problem was his religion had no heart. So he's standing at the center of the inner court, right in the heart of the temple. The reason he stood there is because it was there that he could be heard the clearest and seen the best. It'd be kind of like if I come down off of the stage here and everybody's on the same level, and I came down here to the center because I want everybody to hear what I'm saying. If you ever walk down this aisle and you talk, you'll hear the echo right about here. You can hear it echoing all over the place. That's kind of the way it was in this temple courtyard. Everywhere he was, you could hear what he was saying. Nobody missed all that he would cry out and all that he would say here. And so here he is in the middle. He wanted everybody to see him. He was doing this for a show. He was doing this to bring attention to himself. He lets everybody know just how wonderful he is. First of all, we read that he says, I fasted twice a week. Now think about that for a moment. How many times is that a year? Multiplication here? 104. So he's fasting here 104 times a year. How many of you fast 104 times a year? No embarrassment here. I don't even, I can't even raise my hand to say that. I mean, you can look at me and see I don't fast a whole lot. <laughs> but here's this man who fasts twice a week. Now, understand this. The Old Testament only required that a Jew fast once a year. That's the only time you were required to do it on the Day of Atonement. But this man was fasting 103 times a year more than he was required. 
Then he goes on to tell everybody about his tithes. He wanted everybody to see what he gets. He wanted everybody to know what he's been giving. Now, that's in contrast to, you remember, uh, the, the widow woman who came when Jesus was there in the temple uh, and people were bringing their money to the, uh, to the temple offerings there and she put in just her little mite. Everybody else was putting in uh, the coins and everything they could to make the trumpet uh, that ran down into the box, into the money box, uh, sound as much as they could. She comes in with all that she has, which is her widow's mite and she gives all that she has. Here's this man, and he says here that he not only has been fasting twice a week, 104 times a year, we read here that he tithed everything that he possessed. Now, the Old Testament only required that you tithe your income. But this man tithed everything that he earned, everything that he bought. In other words, he was kind of a double tither, if you will. Now, there's nothing wrong with fasting more than once a week. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. There's some, certainly nothing wrong with, with giving more to the Lord's work and more to, to his kingdom work to give to tithing. But the problem is, is that this man thought what a whole lot of people think today. He thought his goodness somehow gained him some kind of brownie points, if you will, with God. He thought that God accepts a person based on what they do for him. He was religious, and he was proud of it, and he wanted everybody to know. Now, now let me just stop right there for just a moment and make an application. Because if you're trusting in anything, if you're trusting in your church membership, if you're trusting in your church attendance, if you're trusting in baptism, if you're trusting in religion, if you're trusting in good works, if you're trusting in anything else other than the shed blood of Jesus Christ to make you right with God and to get you accepted before God, then you too are fooling yourself. You'll never get to heaven on the basis of the things that you did not do, and you'll never get to heaven uh, and only go to heaven by accepting, uh, by, by doing things for him. The only way that you get to heaven is by accepting what God has done for you. And so understand this, this Pharisee, he thought that God would somehow be impressed with all of his doing. So now we learn the first clue on what impresses God. What impresses God is when you don't try to impress God. And that's what this man was trying to do. This Pharisee, he had an I problem. Five times you read that little pronoun I in two verses. He was hooked, if you will, on the drug of self. He suffered from a couple of problems, from inflation, inflating himself, and deflation of others. He had this inflated view of who he was, and he had also a deflated view of who God was. And so pride had made him really too big for his spiritual britches, if you would, in the way we would say it. C.S. Lewis once said that a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you can't see something that's right in front of you or above you. And so here's this Pharisee who had himself, uh, who, who had fooled himself about himself. And he's looking at all the others around him. And he's saying, God, I thank you that I'm not like them. I'm not like that adulterer. I'm not like that prostitute out there. I'm not like all those other people. And especially that I'm not like that guy there who's a tax collector, who's a publican. But in fact, he was like all other men. Because the Bible tells us every single one of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There was a man one time who was on trial and he was charged with burglary. He was standing before the judge and the judge said, Sir, I can, uh, you can let me try your case or you can choose to have a jury of your peers. And so the man thought for just a moment and he said, Your Honor, uh, what are peers? And the judge said, Well, they're people just like you. And the defendant said, Well, forget it. I don't want to be tried by a bunch of thieves. <laughs> 
Whether it's a big sinner or a little sinner, all of our peers are sinners. And we're a peer to all sinners because all have sinned. And so this Pharisee, notice he has a good eye on himself. He has a bad eye on others and no eye on God. He was performing, if you will, before an audience of one. He was applauding himself. We all need to remember what Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So let's face it. We all have that tendency to think more highly of ourselves than we should. And this man was even fooled about his prayer. Because go back to verse 11 and notice in verse 11, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed. He prayed thus. Now, the Greek language there, sometimes we don't always get the, the, the emphaticness of what the Greek language tells us, but when you actually go back to the Greek language, it's literally saying there that he prayed to himself. When you approach God with pride and you, and, and you approach him with that, that haughty spirit, you wind up talking to yourself. Someone said the only person God sends away empty is a person who's full of themselves. Prideful prayer is nothing more than an echo in your own ears. So this man, he didn't understand that God doesn't listen to your lips. God listens to your heart. And when your heart is so full of pride, no matter what's in your prayer, he shuts a deaf ear to you. This man fooled himself. But notice the second man in our story. We see the person who faulted himself. The person who faulted himself. So read verse 13 with me, if you will. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me. A sinner. Now we shouldn't be surprised that the Pharisee looked down on the publican. Why? Because everybody did. It wasn't just Pharisees who looked down on the publicans, looked down on the tax collectors. Everybody did. I mean, we don't even like tax collectors today, do we? Uh, the contrast that Jesus gives would have been easily recognized by those who were hearing this parable. A tax collector was as different from a Pharisee as the Pope is from a, from a drug dealer. Tax collectors were considered in that day uh, the, the scum of the Jewish society. Uh, they were the IRS, if you will, of the Roman government. They charged exorbitant rates. They skimmed extra off of the top. Uh, they would steal candy from a baby, a welfare check from their own mother. They were considered traitors to the nation of Israel. They were so despised that they couldn't even hold a public office. They, or, or even be given uh, testimony. They couldn't give testimony in Jewish court because their word was considered worthless. That's how badly they were looked down upon. The tax collector was to the Pharisee what an outlaw is to the sheriff. And, and so this man, no doubt, was a liar. No doubt he was a cheat. He was a, a thief, a traitor, a swindler, a, a reprobate. He knew who he was. But now the story takes this strange twist, if you will. Think about this. The Pharisee had tried to impress God, but he didn't. This tax collector, he did impress God without even trying. Because now we see what really impresses God. First, humility impresses God. This tax collector was as humble as the Pharisee was proud. They were as far away on opposite extremes of the spectrum as you could be. The Pharisee, he was as far over here as you could be proud, and this tax collector, he was as far as you could be over here humbled. And you can see it even in his feet. Look there in verse 13. But the tax collector, standing afar off, so think about that. Where the Pharisee went to the sinner 
of the court of the Jews and stood in the sunshine where everybody could see him, the tax collector, he's standing over here in the far shadows as far as he can stand away from everybody. He probably can't even look at the Pharisee over there because he feels so ashamed, this Pharisee saying how religious he is, and I'm nothing like that. I, I'm a worthless person. I have sinned. I have cheated people. I have stolen from people. He can't, he's holding his head down. He probably can't even look at that guy, and he's just humbled there before God. And he says, God, probably thinking in his mind, I'm nowhere near like that man. Lord, I've sinned. Have mercy on me, God. Have mercy on me. And so you can see in his feet where he is, he's standing afar off. He doesn't want to be out in the sunlight. He doesn't want to be out here where everybody can see him. Because then it's all exposed. He feels shame about his sin standing afar off. He stands in the outer edges, in the shadows. And, and so not only could you see it in his feet, you can see it in his eyes because you see there that you go on to read that he couldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven. I mean, we think about when we pray, we're lifting our hearts and our eyes up to heaven, but this man felt so much shame over his sin, he couldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven. But think about that. The Pharisee... He was too proud to lift his eyes to look up. The tax collector, he was too ashamed to look up. Not only could you see it in his feet, you can see it in his eyes, you can see it in his hands. Because what does the Bible tell us he does with his hands? begins to beat his chest. I'm just so terrible, God. It, it's just so awful what I've done. He's beating his chest over and over and over. In effect, he's saying, I know I have a filthy heart. You could hear it in his voice when he finally cries out to God, God, be merciful to me. I'm just a sinner. God heard his prayer. And notice what Jesus says in the very beginning of verse 14. I tell you. Now remember who is he telling? He's telling the people that we read about back in verse 9, the people who were trusting in themselves, that were righteous and treated others with contempt. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. And it just floored everybody. What? The tax collector was justified? See, understand this, the highway to heaven is paved with humility. Now, on the outside, they would have thought the Pharisee was much closer to God. But on the inside, it was the tax collector who was closer to God. Because the Bible says this in Psalm 34 and verse 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. What a powerful, encouraging verse to you this morning. You're brokenhearted. You're crushed in your spirit. Know this, the Lord is nearer to you than he's ever been before. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. What impresses God so much was that this man was willing to humble himself without waiting on God to do it for him. You know what God, that God has a way of humbling you if you don't take the first step of humbling yourself? God delights in exalting the humble and in humbling the exalted. But the other thing that impresses God is honesty. Because in the Greek language, this man literally said, Be merciful to me, the sinner. The word merciful there is a Greek word that goes back to a Hebrew word, kippur, which literally means atonement. If you know anything about Jewish history, you know of Yom Kippur. literally means the day of atonement or the day of mercy. The day of atonement means to cover. And that's what this man really said. He said he's basically saying, I am exposing my heart for what it is. I'm not waiting on you to do that, God. 
I'm not waiting to get caught in the act of doing something sinful. I am coming before you, God, acknowledging who I am and where I am. I'm exposing my heart for what it is, sinful. God, will you cover me? Will you cover me, God? That's all God needed to hear. That's all God wanted to hear. There's only one thing worse than being a sinner, and that's being a sinner who's not willing to admit that he is one. The reason why Jesus told this story was to illustrate a principle. We said parables always have a moral to the story. In this principle, we see the principle that fulfills itself. We see the principle that fulfills itself here in verse 14. So again, he says, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself, like the, like the, the Pharisee had done, lifting himself up, will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus here draws a conclusion from this story that literally shocks his listeners. The Pharisee, in, in their minds, they wore the white hats. The tax collector, they wore the black hats. You know that in the, in the old movies, the, the white hats are the heroes, the black hats are the villains. If you'd have taken a vote in that crowd as to which man was accepted by God and which man was safely in the kingdom, the, the Pharisee would have been, uh, he would have won unanimously by a landslide. But there's only one vote that counts, and that's God's vote. A rich man once invited many guests to a feast that he was having, and, and when they all got there, he, he saw his own chair richly decorated as a place at the end of a long table. And so he told uh, the people who had come uh, to seat themselves according to how important they thought they were in his sight. He left the room. Well, each guest did exactly what uh, he had asked them to do, seated themselves according to how highly they thought of themselves and, and how much they thought he thought of them. But when the time came and all were seated, the rich man came back into the room. He went to the end where his chair was, picked it up, and moved it to the other end. Let me bring this parable down to where we live right now because there are several applications here. First of all, we learn that it's not how you see you but how God sees you that matters. Secondly, when you see God the way you should see God, then you'll see you the way you really are. And then finally, mercy is not what God pays you because you tell him you've earned it. It's what God gives you when you admit to him that you need it. There's a story about many years ago of a man who conned his way into the orchestra of the emperor of China. And although he couldn't play a single note, he was able to con his way in. Whenever the group practiced or they performed, he would hold his flute against his lips. He was pretending to play, but he wouldn't make a sound. For years, he received a good salary. For years, he enjoyed a comfortable living. And then one day, the emperor requested a solo from every musician. Well, the flutist, he got very nervous, and there wasn't enough time to learn the instrument, and so he pretended to be sick. But the royal physician, he wasn't fooled. On the day of his royal performance, this imposter, he, he took poison and killed himself. The explanation of his suicide led to the phrase that has found its way into our English language, he refused to face the music. Understand this, the way to impress God is to simply face the music. You can face the music now and admit your sinfulness before God and your need for him to cover you with his mercy and his grace to save you from your sin. Or you can face the music later and be kicked out of the orchestra. When you realize who you are without God, and on a daily, moment-by-moment -moment basis, you depend on him for what you need to be for God. That impresses him. What a powerful story Jesus has told us. But it's more than just a story. He was speaking to people 
who were living just like us, who were full of themselves and looking down on others because of that. When you find yourself in that place, even sometimes as a believer, we have to admit we struggle sometimes with that, to think of ourselves better because maybe we come to church and others don't, we're better than them, or, or whatever the case may be. Know this, the ground at the, foot of, at the foot of the cross is level. We're all sinners before a holy and a righteous God. You need to be saved, and as a Christian, you need to repent of your sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. And thank you for your truth. Lord, we come before you this morning. I pray not as the Pharisee trying to justify ourselves why we're doing what we're doing or how good we are compared to somebody else. Lord, help us to realize that the only comparison that any of us should ever make of ourselves is to you. And when we make a comparison of ourselves to you, we're nothing. We're but a worm before you. We're, we're as the lowest thing on, on the ladder uh, uh, that could possibly be. There is no righteousness in us that is worthy of us going to heaven, that is worthy and deserving of your love and your grace. So, Father, I pray this morning that if there's someone who's here and they're brokenhearted because they acknowledge and recognize the sin in their heart and they've never confessed that before you, Father, I pray that they would call out this morning and say, Dear God, have mercy on me. I know I'm a sinner. I'm nowhere near what I should be. Because I don't even know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And so I come this morning. I, I believe he loves me and that he died for me. And that he was buried in that tomb and arose on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart and save me. And help me, Lord, to live for you all the days of my life. Father, if someone humbles their heart this morning to acknowledge their sinfulness before you, and their need for you as the Savior. And Father, they've confessed that before you. Help them to know in their heart of hearts that the Bible says that when we confess with our heart and we, we profess with our lips that we shall be saved. So Father, I pray that they will come to publicly profess that faith in Christ. But Lord, there's a lot of us here, maybe even watching, who already know Jesus as our Savior, but somewhere along the way, we've gotten our focus off of what's most important, you. And Lord, our worship is not where it needs to be because we're looking down on others. We're treating others with disdain. We're treating them as lower than we are. Lord, that happens all the time, whether we're an adult or whether we're a youth or whether we're a child. So Father, I pray that we would be careful not to put down others but to realize there's a lot of things wrong with me too. I'm sinful too, and I need you too. And Lord, that we would pray for those individuals rather than mock them or, 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 or look down upon them or talk about them or treat them any differently. So Father, I pray this morning that your will will be done in this invitation. Have your will and have your way in our hearts and in our lives. And may you be glorified and honored. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, number 307, will you come as the Lord lays on your heart this morning?
Just remember, if you're one of our guests, to be sure and get one of our guest bags when you come this morning. Brother Stan, if you'll come and share our announcements. Good morning. Pastor Matt has an announcement. Just wanted to remind you, uh, if you would please sign up for the chili cook-off. I think we've got five right now uh, who have signed up. And uh, we could use about 10 more people to participate in that. We're going to have some guest judges this year. Uh, and you'll get to meet some of those, uh, the guest judges on the day of, I don't want to give it away yet. And so I think you'll enjoy it. But if you will uh, sign up, participate, and you know, see if y'all can beat Miss Samantha this year, our reigning champ. And so she's been talking trash out here, but, but uh, she said nobody could beat her. So I think her husband's going to challenge her this year. We'll see. But um, also, parents, don't forget, we got a meeting today at 3.30 to uh, sign some waivers and talk about some events coming up and also uh, some other things through the year. So please uh, meet me at 3.30 in the youth room. And don't forget, next Sunday is Share Sunday, where we're going to go and share the gospel and pray for those in the community at the mall. And so uh, today at 5, we're going to kind of talk through some of what that looks like and just different uh, things that, uh, and how we're going to do that. So uh, be here at 5. and. Uh, Meet me in the youth room if you want to participate in that, and we look forward to it. Thank you. Pastor Matt, I believe Brother Jim was saying he expected Samantha to repeat like his Georgia Bulldogs did. Not really sure about that. Scholarship committee will meet immediately after service in the conference room. If you're on that committee, please meet us back there. Let's please remember Kim Dotson on the loss of her mother, Wanda Nichols as she continues her journey of healing, David Hess, as he continues his treatment. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Lord, we thank you for this time that we can come into your house and study your word and worship your name. We're thankful for this nation that we live in, Almighty God. We're thankful for the men and women that have accepted the call to defend our nation, that you'd put your hand of protection upon them. Be it those that are mourning, may they be comforted. Be it those that are sick, may they be healed. Be with our pastors and our ministers out there spreading your word that others that are lost may be found. We ask all these things in your son's holy name. Amen.